0: For their annual road trip And the one burning question I have to open the show this week Is for Nick uh, How does the steering wheel on your boat Compare to the one in the photo Austin Matthews posted on Instagram Today, Nicholas
1: Let's just say I'm glad I don't gotta be Vlogging that thing around all day That was quite an ad I don't even—I didn't even realize it was an ad When I like <laughs> sent you guys the, the post at first I, I just thought it was a, a cool picture of Matthews On a, on a ship somewhere <laughs> But <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I I
0: started reading the caption, and I just had no idea what was going on. It was for like a phone company, and the picture just had absolutely nothing to do with telecommunications
2: whatsoever. Uh, (laughs) And it was just poorly written. Like, it was like, what marketing copy person like gave that to him did he just write it himself like it it was not a good ad at all i just figured
1: austin was taking advantage of some nice weather after they got to california went and hopped on a boat
2: get some sea time in you know it seemed like that's what it was and then he was like oh shit i have to post because that wireless company gave me one hundred and eighty thousand uh-huh. dollars yesterday
0: the, <laughs> get that bag yeah the, the copy yeah. will not live on but the uh the photo we will have forever and yeah i'm excited to see the meme potential for that one um in all seriousness on the you know i i, I don't know how to segue this um, something to do with boats and atlantic canada and uh, we're, we're getting hammered out here there we go um yeah. by a pretty severe weather system the last couple of days more so in nova scotia than than where you are in new brunswick keith uh, lots of wind and rain i'm in halifax nick you're in isle madame on beautiful cape breton island and the worst of it is kind of between us in northeastern nova scotia which yeah. is actually just the northeastern part of the mainland because cape breton is more northeastern but no time to get into all of that uh <laughs> Antigonish county picto county guysborough county that that kind of area is northeastern nova scotia and they're taking a pretty good beating in terms of flood damage there especially like in and around Antigonish. Uh, lots of roads like right downtown out. Yeah. yeah yeah pictures are are crazy so um i i hope we're all excited for this stuff to just get worse and worse until we all die a miserable climate-induced death so we may as well talk about the Leafs in the meantime.
1: Welcome to lamenting the Leafs,
0: <laughs> setting the tone. But uh, it's 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 really it's it's let off here in Halifax. And Nick, I, th- I think you guys are doing a lot better now.
1: But yeah, yeah I think we're through the worst of it now. now it's here, the flooding. But, but I, I've still got some some water seeping in around my feet here as I, as I sit here and record in my uh, cozy little
2: porch. But uh, Hopefully that dissipates. Yeah. Yeah, I just checked actually. And it's not even supposed to, I I said to you guys beforehand, it must've just completely passed us. I guess I'm not a big weather guy. uh, (laughs) Just check the weather and it's like going to be sunny the next three days. So ignore what I told you before.
0: (laughs) You're not a homeowner or anything. So it's not like you need to keep an eye on that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the Leafs have been busy uh, winning and also, um, with some transactions, they've reacquired Kyle Clifford. They did that just after we recorded. I think we recorded on Monday last week, and then th- that uh, deal went down with the Blues on Tuesday. He had cleared waivers, so he was able to come and go. And I kind of figured that um, you know he would just sit with the Marlies for a bit, and maybe there'd be a role for him at some point. But he's already up with the big club.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how that like fits in. I don't really ex- think anybody expected to to see like a forward acquisition kind of at this point in the season i i mean depth is always a good thing um i think we all kind of like players like clifford so that's exciting in and of itself and it kind of you know we didn't really get the full effect of him when he was here and the covid kind of shortened season and so yeah i mean i'm excited for him to be back it's it's i don't see there's any there's no downside to it uh, at all um like no real risk so why not and um I'm curious to see how he fits into the lineup. I don't think, I mean, Engvall slid down to the fourth line, looked pretty good. Um, I I mean, Richie just to me, it doesn't really seem like somebody that's going to go on the fourth line. So I guess my first thought kind of went to, if you could see maybe Spezza getting a night off and have Engvall go with, with Simmons and, and, and Clifford just for, you know, the load management of of a guy that's, that's getting up there in years. But Other than that, kind of don't really see how he fits in. But again, injury depth is is never a bad thing.
1: I think it was just mostly a move based on opportunity and familiarity more than anything, really. Like uh, The history between Clifford and Kyle Dubas was well-documented when he was first acquired in the trade that brought Jack Campbell here a couple of years ago. And I just think that with him going on waivers and clearing – it was it was a chance to bring him back closer to home, uh, get another chance to, to play for the, his hometown team. Um, it, it's kind of funny because if you think back to the offseason after he was acquired and his contract was up, uh, there was a lot of talk that the Leafs were interested in re-signing him. Um, there was, of course, conditions attached to the draft pick in the trade. That revolved around whether the Leafs were able to re-sign him or not. It would have, I believe, if I recall correctly, it would have turned a third-round pick into a second that they would have had to send to L.A. Had they re-signed Clifford that off-season. So it's kind of funny that you know that they had to wait a year, but they ended up getting him back into the fold and uh, didn't have to surrender that extra round of a draft pick.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see what he's got left in the tank. Like. Um, you know is he going to be kind of muscle and toughness for the fourth line or, or is he still going to have some of that defensive impact that you know that he had um, his
1: defensive numbers are still really yeah, strong it, so. that's
0: and that's you know that's what i'm hoping and and um you know it's it's interesting that st louis would cut him loose, I guess, is is what I'm thinking. And, and a guy like that, you like you expect him to drop off a bit, but again it's it's a depth guy. Like you're not expecting him to to be your you know, on your fourth line every night, um, you know, if you have injuries and especially like, again, like I said, the defensive impact, that's what you're hoping for, because, you know, you've got lots of guys who can theoretically put the puck in the net. Um, but if you, you know, if you lose, they can
1: expect and put it in.
0: Yeah. If you lose a few of those guys in the lower lines, though, who, who's going to fill in? And, you know, you, you just don't you don't want to get worked. In the bottom six, because you're having to throw kind of uh, offensive style guys who aren't quite ready in, into that role, and you know down the stretcher in the playoffs or whatever. So um, it's it's clearly a, a gamble that's you know worth taking. Like it's you know you didn't move anything, <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and you could find yourself at a point later in the season, where, or even in the playoffs, where you know you're forced to turn to maybe an inexperienced or, like you said, less reliable defensive player at the in the bottom of your lineup. So I think it's just a really nice insurance addition, you know, the toughness in case something happens to a guy like Simmons or even Richie, and he's a player that Sheldon Keith knows he'll be able to trust in in pretty much any situation.
0: The toughness it, it, to replace Simmons in case he just becomes a full time scorer again at this stage in his career. He's been really good, like that man. He, he looks sh- great. He should have five He's or six so goals. He's so snake
1: bitten. Yeah, it's insane. He's playing really, really well. Like I, I tweeted it the other night, his hands look to be fully back. He looks quicker and more agile than he did at any point last season. He's like all over the puck, creating a ton of chances. He's getting on the forecheck, taking the puck away, getting it to the net. Most importantly, just seems like a matter of time before they start falling. I know
2: he had that stretch last year where he scored a bunch of goals. Right before he got hurt, but to me, he looks. It was just they were just going in at that point. Yeah. Like he doesn't look to me looks like he's playing better than he did at that point. To, like the best hockey he's played since he was in Philly like he's all over the puck making stuff happen it's it's ugly he's not like his 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 kind of skating stride and just the way that he kind of does things is he's lanky and his limb, limbs are flying <laughs> everywhere and stuff but it works and he's getting he's getting scoring chances it's a matter of time which i think is a theme for the offense at large
1: yeah, and Sheldon Keith kind of gave him a little nod to the last game. They threw him out for a shift on the second power play unit. Yeah. That's a, Which a part I'm of his role totally that's cool kind of been reduced. Yeah, th- th- that's a role that he kind of, he I don't want to say excelled in last season, but he performed admirably as a net front presence on the Leafs power play last year, Yeah, uh, especially when it was clicking early on. So, you know, to give him that nod, uh, give him a shift there last game. And Keith noted afterwards that he's a guy that uh, they think has been playing really well and probably deserves more opportunity than he's been getting. But that's just kind of the, the way that the lineup is constructed right now.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how much we want to get into, you know, the lineup moves. There's, there's going to be shakeups almost every week, right? Like it's it's uh, it's to be expected. And, and you know, I've, I've touched on it. Like this is... What I'd like to see move things around and and establish kind of a little bit of chemistry everywhere and and see what works. But, um, you know, overall, like there's kind of a narrative that the offense isn't quite clicking and it's it's true more or less. But like the numbers are still quite good, like the shooting percentage is not. um, And, you know, you you, like you. We already made an expected goals crack, but um, (laughs) and there is like a part of this that you have to weigh in as well that, like, Matthews isn't quite as dangerous every shift as, you know, we're used to seeing from him. And it's kind of gotten to the point where it's been long enough that, you know, you wonder, um, like, how, how— I mean, obviously, he's feeling it a bit from from the layoff, no camp, the surgery, etc. Um, but, like, you know, you obviously, like, shooting percentage says he's going to get it going— but you know shooting percentage uh, balancing out doesn't always account for the fact that a guy is just isn't quite there 100% and, and um you know h- how much of that kind of drives you know this entire team right now and and luckily you're getting some some good contributions from lower in the lineup but um, well i mean
2: i i think maybe we we maybe underestimated a little bit the kind of in not maybe rehab's not the right word, but just coming back from a wrist injury um, for a guy who's so reliant on his shot, um, I'm sure that that is playing a role in it. I, I'm still inclined to believe it's just a really bad cluster of of shooting luck. Uh, I know he, he he hasn't looked like the Austin Matthews of last year in years past, but I think if he had four or three or four or five more of these gone in it's not as glaring and we're, we're not like micro focusing in on it as much. Um, And and like, it's, 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 I will say that, I mean, it's flashes of him looking good. I I haven't, he maybe hasn't had that like complete dominant game yet, but he's had some line mate flip flop. He hasn't necessarily had a consistent kind of three, two guys to play with. Um, I'm, I'm fine with making some excuses for a guy like him. I, I don't think that there's going to be, that this is going to be a conversation much longer, and we're gonna, you know, all of a sudden see like, you know, like eight goals in five games or something crazy over the next stretch. So it's 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 coming. Um, but I, I I do think that the wrist injury was maybe something that at least I didn't account for him, you know, still feeling it a month or so into the season. I,
0: I guess the way that I put it is like he generally like leads the league in nights that he looks like he could get five. You know what I mean? And he's had a few of those, but he's just not having them like three out of every four games. Like, like he does when he's on. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, he definitely doesn't look like 100% of the Austin Matthews that we've grown accustomed to. But the fact is that, you know, even 85% of that is still a pretty damn good player. And while he might not be scoring at the rate that we've seen in the last few years, he's still playing some some pretty solid hockey and he's been a big part of you know helping this team win 11 of their last 13 i think it is so it it feels like it's going to come for him i think he looks maybe a little bit hesitant um not as confident or as sure of himself when he gets into those shooting areas he's not uh, as lethal it just uh, it always felt like every time Matthews got into one of those spots like it's going in right and I think just the way he looks overall it hasn't quite felt that way as much this season Mm -hmm. but as you said Keith he's a guy that you can kind of make those excuses for just because of the track record and what we know he's capable of, it, again, kind of like Simmons and, and the team as a whole, it really feels like a matter of time before the, the pucks start going into the back of the net when they're coming off Matthew's stick too.
0: Yeah, and and you know the numbers are all good. You, talking team wise, right? Like it's you know top five in the league when it comes to uh, Corsi share, expected goals share. Like it's the,
1: the, the only stat that's really not good is like their actual finishing percentage at at 5 versus 5 they're currently 27th in the NHL in goals scored per 60 minutes at 5 versus 5 last year they were 4th in the league so like when you look at the the way that they're still generating chances like for this season, they're still second in the league in expected goals per 60 at five versus five. So it's not a matter of not generating chances. They're actually generating them at a higher rate than they were last year. And with players like Matthews and Mariner and Tavares and Nylander, and we've seen guys like Kasha start to show some, some finishing ability. It, it, again, it's just a matter of time before the offense kind of comes back to life and if the special teams can keep performing the way that they are once the offense gets back on track and Campbell keeps it up and they can kind of start getting back to their defensive play that we saw last year, I think it's been a bit better over this recent stretch, kind of quieted things down a bit. Still, you know, a few concerning moments here and there, but if they can get all of that clicking, like. Th- th- again, this is a team that's won 11 of their last 13 and they're 27th in the league in even strength goal scoring. So yeah. I don't think anyone would have, you know, pegged that as what would be the problem on this team coming into the season so i think the fact that that is the one area of concern is probably an encouraging sign when you look at it holistically
2: yeah i think like that's because that's the one thing about this team that you would bet on getting better like if we were sitting here and they were leading the league in goals scored and they were 28th in goals against we'd be like oh fuck here we go again kind of thing like this team can't defend and all that other shit right so I think sitting in this position, if you're, you know, you know, being two points out of the uh, first in the division, I think, or something like that, you know, it's it's this is a nitpicking, like at this point, like what you know, and and, but it's an encouraging way to look at it for me, at least. Like I, yeah, I fully believe these are going to bounce back, and then as long as you don't see a huge dip in the goaltending and and just like you know, uh, defensive play while that bounces back, and I guess that kind of comes you know, a bit of a chicken and the egg conversation is that it is part of the reason that they're not scoring because they're focused more on, you know, the defensive details of the game. I think that's probably an overblown narrative because the expected goals are so high. Like they're, they're clearly like, if the expected goals were down and the real goals were down and the defensive play was the way it was, then you could maybe point to that and say, yeah, it's a team that's decided to be more conservative and play, you know, Lou Lamorello devils hockey or something, but that's not really because the, like the, the offense is there. It's just, like you said, Nick, it's just the finishing.
0: Yeah. And you know, you touched on the goaltending and we should talk about that more because that's been stellar and you know, it's likely to dip a little bit, but uh, you know, we've been saying that about Campbell for a while yeah, exactly. now. Uh, and now Joseph Wall is getting in on the action. Four shutouts this month now for the Leafs, uh, including two since we last record uh, three since we last recorded, I guess. Two for the Leafs. Um, <laughs> the uh, but but Joseph Wall picks up a shutout in his second game against the Islanders on Sunday, and um, you know I we, we talked about Wall last week, Nick, on our last episode. You were. Uh, saying about his debut basically he looked good uh, the first three he didn't have a chance and the fourth he'd probably like to have back and, and like obviously you'll take that in a debut and I kept my comment to myself about how you know lots of guys come up and keep giving up three that look like they didn't have a chance and and they do yeah. that every night and you <laughs> realize quickly that they're not an NHL goaltender so a shutout's nice uh so I, I I think you are basically hoping that he can be you know, good for the Marlies for the long term, and maybe you've got a guy that allows you to fire Michael Hutchinson out of a big cartoon cannon.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, I think for Wall, it's all about kind of, you know, building up some some solid moments in his career because things haven't gone that great for him through his tenure with the Marleys so far. Granted, the Marleys teams that he's played on the last couple of years uh, haven't been that great either. So he's kind of been facing a firing squad a, a lot of nights down there. But I, I thought, again, he was just really solid on Sunday night against the Islanders. I don't think he was asked to make you know too many 10-bell saves or anything like that, but he was there to answer the bell when, when he needed to. Uh, um, early on, especially, I, I thought there was a couple of uh, early chances by the Islanders, and he was able to shut the door on those. There was that one little stretch in the second period. I think it was probably the, the Islanders' best push of the game. They didn't really generate much. On the night, but he kind of he slowed things down a few times, just kind of reeling in shots and not giving up rebounds. You know, just slow things down and get a a defensive zone face off, regroup, and all that. Uh, It was just really nice to see him have some success because we alluded to it before. It's been a a really tough road for this organization drafting and developing goaltenders. We're obviously not going to crown Joseph Wall after two NHL starts. Um, especially given his numbers in the minors. But I still think that just building up those moments and him gaining confidence and the organization gaining confidence in him is a really positive thing because it just gives them another option in the crease when things like this happen and Peter Mrazek or Jack Campbell are are unavailable. You have that young, homegrown option there and now it's about continuing to develop him as a viable NHL goaltender. And we talked about it before with in terms of Campbell's contract and the things the Leafs might have to do and potentially having to move off of Peter Mrazek's deal in the offseason to be able to afford Campbell. I think if you have a younger guy in the organization like Wall who you can trust to at least you know, give you around average backup kind of numbers in you know 20 to 30 starts over the course of a season it makes it a lot easier to to cut bait on a guy like mrazik if you are forced to so you know, overall i think it's just really encouraging to have a young goaltender come in and have any success uh it's still very early don't want to crown him or anything like that but yeah just uh, it, it's a positive sign
2: yeah he looked he looked great and i mean and good on the least you know as a unit in the sense of like, that that buffalo game they they didn't play great they kind of hung them out to dry a little bit and you know yeah. they they tightened it up now be it against the islanders that were pretty depleted but we saw what happened with the penguins and stuff so it's never a given there's still NHL hockey players for the most part and they can still win like so it's you know i don't want to completely take away the effort just because of that but i mean on like that's kind of the encouraging thing about the goaltending Maybe, you know, not forecasting that big of a drop off is that if you think about the shutouts that they had, you know, I mean, I know they had the, the Vegas and the Islanders situation was both like two depleted rosters and then Philly and it was the other one Na- Nashville. We never left any of those games being like, wow, the goaltenders really had to like put on a clinic tonight. Like it was pretty tidy you know, yeah. they. I think uh, Campbell didn't even get first tire in his shutout against the against the Predators or whatever, which which tells you. So, I mean, that's what I guess is is kind of encouraging to me. Is and and kind of looking ahead. And yes, yeah, so, I mean they're not gonna you are not gonna have nine forty five say like goaltending out of Campbell for the rest of the year, but it's not crazy to think it's going to be nine twenty five to you know even high high nine twenty. So it's that that kind of all around defensive play especially the the Philly and Nashville game like they just they didn't allow anything and that's that's i guess i mean it goes hand in hand but that's that's what's kind of the 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 optimistic way of looking at this is that they're not when that shooting percentage does go up that the save percentage is not going to like crater down with it well
1: that kind of leads me to another point keith is like not only are the leafs winning a lot of games they're winning them like in a different fashion than what we've air, seen in the last couple of years, right? Air They're, quote, the,
2: air quote, playoff type, type games, right? Like that's, yeah. that's kind of the idea. Yeah.
1: I've been kind of holding off on that because I just feel like we're going to get, you know, <laughs> you, you mentioned playoffs and the Leafs right now on social media and think you're going to get crucified. But it, it's just the fact that they've been able to win these more low event games, as you said, like kind of just tidy defensive efforts, and when it felt like things were kind of snowballing early in the season, and everyone was up in arms, and the sky was falling, and it was one bad thing after another all the time, this last stretch, the the team has done a really good job of not allowing like those negative moments or the, those sporadic losses to to compound and turn into to things that would snowball and become bigger issues. They've they've been able to get right back on track after a loss here and there. Uh, start a new winning streak. It's just it's been a really solid performance from the team as a whole and but again when you consider the fact that they've done it without, you know, the the high offensive output that we yeah. that we're used to. I think it's a lot of really encouraging signs for the growth of the team. Well, I
2: remember after the Carolina game, Keith his post game was like positive. Yeah, and he, I mean, a and lot and of at people that shit time, on it him kind of eye twitch. Oh man, he took heat for that. Like that was the most you know, fire Keith kind of sentiment and mood on social media that I've seen probably in his entire tenure. Like, and even, even me, like I, I didn't, I wasn't in that far in the camp, but like, I was even kind of like, okay, but, I mean, he was right. Like the stuff that he was seeing was was getting better, and, and it clearly good on him for for not panicking in that moment. And it kind of also kind of goes a little bit back to the, all and the way that they're playing right now. Exactly, yeah, the way that they're playing right now is, I guess, what he was trying to get them to do early in the season when when he was pissed off that they were winning games the way they were <laughs> winning games. Right? How like, funny
1: is-, is it that he saw it last season? when and they were winning and yeah. it was that game against Carolina where they still lost where he saw it the other way around and was happy yeah. with the way the team played and it's led to this recent stretch
2: exactly and and that's I gotta you know gotta give it to him for that like that's it could have been very easy to be reactionary after those games and it could have been very easy to be complacent when you were winning you know the way that you were winning early in the season last year so I don't know the 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 Keefe uh, hate has certainly calmed down a little bit yeah,
0: it's good to see them winning, you know, that way for sure. But um, what are we looking for from this California trip? Because I'm not going to lie, I would like to see the Leafs absolutely slap someone Bunch of goals. while they're out <laughs> yeah. there. I, I would like to see them yeah. draw the Kings or the Ducks into a track meet and just pile up seven or eight.
2: So that's what I would like to It'd see. It'd be nice to see it against the, the Ducks. Yeah, yeah. The boys
1: need a point night. I think that's something that we're all just kind of waiting for, like just waiting for that dam to break sort of, because as we've been talking about for the entire episode, like they're generating chances. The, the team is playing well as a whole. They're they're not giving up much in their end. So it, once that happens and the, like, the Leafs don't even have a player who's averaging a point per game so far on the season. And when you yeah. look at the the roster, that you know seems kind of hard to believe – and it's it's gonna happen these guys are gonna start piling up the goals and i think that's definitely something that we're all waiting for it'd be nice to see it on this california trip since we're all gonna be staying up so late to watch
0: (laughs) yeah no complaints from anyone in the eastern time zone please (laughs) (laughs) they still an hour on you got an hour on you no i'm
2: excited to see the the docs i mean they seem to be Kind of the 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 good news story, like kind of the the feel good story of the year so far. Um, so see Troy Terry do his thing, I guess. Like that that'll be the the team that I'm looking forward to seeing the most, I guess, on this road trip. Which would also mean the team I'd like to least to have kind of their best game against as well. And then also just a little bit of revenge for that stinker against LA. Is
0: Ryan Getzlaff a Hall of Famer for you two?
2: No. Yeah, I don't know. He's right on the cusp for me. Like, and it feels like if you say yes to him, you got to say yes to Corey Perry.
0: Yeah, he uh, Perry has the heart where Getzlaff doesn't. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'd say
2: Perry's resume
1: is probably uh, maybe a little bit better than Getzlaff's. Yeah, 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 I'd say
0: so. Yeah, um, but I, I think I'd probably have both of them in to be honest.
1: I'd have to look at it a little deeper to be honest with you.
2: I mean, yeah, like realistically, what like is I love Jerome Ginla, but what's the? There isn't that much of a difference between him and Corey Perry, is there? I think like the international success and well, Perry's had a lot of that too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a weird one. I feel yeah. That-
0: no, it's um, it, it's an interesting convo. I, I I think that probably the international, uh, you know, might be what what puts him over. Part of the best junior team ever. Part of you know, one of the best Olympic teams ever, a couple of Olympic golds. Um, interesting discussion,
1: though. Yeah. Speaking of Troy Terry, I've got a grudge, a bone to pick with Troy Terry because he's the guy I've like sat on in fantasy for the last like two years <laughs> waiting for this to happen. And I let him go, and I didn't have him on any of my teams this year. And he finally breaks out. Is like I gave up on him and – he just had a 16 game point streak. So let that be a It sounds, sounds a like Troy to. Terry
0: has a bone to pick with you. Yeah, maybe so either yeah. you were holding him back or you're just a hater who got out at the wrong time. Well, That's why I
1: gave you Jack Campbell in fantasy hockey last year. I didn't want to be responsible for any, uh, you know, <laughs> jinxing or anything of that nature. <laughs> well, I've got him in all of
0: my leagues this year, so I guess I'm not a jinx. Um, Let's talk about Dion Phaneuf, who announced that he was retiring um, last week, which was no surprise. He hadn't played in a while, but um, he's just kind of been sitting it out through this, this COVID time and uh, finally um, hangs up the skates officially. And, I mean, I have always loved Dion. Um,
1: I, I think my first uh, hockey arguments on social media were probably centered around defending Dion um, uh, perhaps the, not the most informed takes back in in those days uh, but yeah I was always a fan of Dion too like, I'll just never forget the day that he was acquired that felt like a like a game changing moment for the franchise that obviously didn't really lead to a ton of success but you know they brought in someone who was established as a really valuable young player in the league and he just he he did all those things that the fans love the big hits, you know, scoring with big shots from the point. Uh, I think that he was probably a little bit underappreciated in his time here. Uh, the team wasn't very good. They didn't find much success, but yeah,
2: I was always a big fan of Dion. Yeah. I mean, easy guy to, to root for when, especially when you hear about all the stuff that he did off the ice and, you know, the kind of work that he did in the community and all that. and And just obviously the type of player that he was, I mean, we didn't get, the prime of his career in Toronto, but we got a very good defenseman that was just a little bit miscast. So it was, it was, it was tough to, you know, evaluate him as the number one defenseman in Toronto with the captaincy and all that stuff. When that's just not really the player that he was at that time. And, you know, he never really had a ton of help beside him either. So, um, you know, there was never really able to get him a, a great partner. But I, I think we even talked about this a little bit on like our very first episode because this was I, I mentioned like the Jaguer era or whatever, and it was because they were like back to back trades too. the same day. It was wasn't like it? maybe a couple of days apart. I don't. Might have been the same day. I can't really remember. I think it was the same day. That was like a, a really nice kind of glimmer of of hope back in a very dark age of being a Leafs fan. Because I think yeah. I mean you had like the excitement of like Luke Shen and and that was all kind of buzzing around too. So that was. Yeah, it, it was – I look back on on that, like maybe f- like Faneuf and like the Grabowski line as like the only bright spots of that era.
1: <laughs> so, we're we're sitting here talking about being excited about Luke Shen and Dion Faneuf and Mikhail Grabowski. Yeah. Let that little stroll down memory lane just kind of sink in to anyone who's uh, still kind of banging the trade mariner drum or anything like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, like w- when the Leafs got – Kessel and then Fanoof. like it felt like they were really working towards something then right like they had a couple of key pieces and they just needed to kind of fill things in around them with the right guys and instead they said you're it Take yeah. us there, which yeah, was never going to work. We'll get Mike
2: Commissarek to help out. All yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But, but I always love Dion. You know, uh, last week we were talking about the Hall of Fame inductees and how Jerome McGinlin was such a draw for that late game on Hockey Night in Canada for like a decade or more. And those years that uh, Dion was in Calgary, I watched a lot of Flames hockey, and he was such an electrifying player, especially, like, in Calgary in those early years. Leveled out a bit in Toronto, but, um, you know, right till the end, he was obviously prone to the big play and the big mistake. Uh, Always, you know, looking for that big hit. And he was polarizing because of, you know, just his style. Like, I remember specifically the playoff game where... He he made the pinch and set up a two-on-one for the Bruins in overtime, yeah. right? And I always went nuts about that one because, you know, Dion, like it was a... Uh Questionable read, but then whoever, whatever asshole he was paired up with, uh, was it O'Byrne or, or O'Brien or who, whoever the hell we had back there that then uh, just backed right into the crease and let the two one go the whole way. And it was just it was the it was the Dion era in short form, right? Like uh, an absolute garbage partner, and you know if he makes a mistake, it's in the back of the net, and everyone's going to blame him regardless. So, yeah. um but, you know, an honorary East Coaster.
2: That's right. Yeah. Always in yeah. PEI. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Has a home there. And
2: and um, yeah. And we'll so. always have the Stefan DaCosta hit yeah yeah oh yeah yeah
0: and <laughs> never got his due for being a great guy with the media like seems like he had he is now but like he was always regarded as tough well to deal he, he with was a little prickly he is prickly but like he always gave time and,
1: and you know he's there not- wasn't much to be happy about in that era of leafs hockey either so i, I don't think he was ever being asked too many uh positively leading questions
0: <laughs> yeah it just kind of the the Encapsulation of like what hockey media is. It's like you know, it's like you're you're giving me your time, but uh, unless you write my story for me, bad guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, gotta give me Difficult something. to deal with,
0: you know. Um, so I mean, but I, I love that clip. I don't know if you guys saw the one where he's uh, talking to Willie Nylander, and just uh, like, hey, you're playing great. It like, yeah, just seems like a great guy.
1: Yeah, you know. yeah, that's good. Cool. I, I thought the Leafs tribute to him uh, that night was pretty well done as well. Uh, the pretty cool video and the the unveiling of the kind of banner or whatever it was at the facility I, I thought it was a nice touch so some some uh,
2: rumblings about him in a front office position right yeah I think I he, he he job- Maybe not right out away out, though yeah I,
1: I think he Job shadowed with Shani for, for a, a few days uh, a couple years ago or something, or a year ago, whatever it was. So it, it's something that he's kind of uh, expressed an interest in. Uh, n- not a bad guy to add to the organization, yeah. I don't think. Take CEO that.
0: of the Growlers. <laughs> yeah. Already an honorary
1: East <laughs> Coaster?
0: Set him up. Um, the Growlers are back and playing in the Mary Browns Center as well. Very important update uh, while we mentioned the Growlers. That's <laughs> hilarious, man. On the go. Mary Browns is getting their uh, return on investment. This is a uh, very important uh, update. So they're out of um, their temporary home and back, Bay. back to the Mary Browns Center. Yeah, Conception Bay South was, was the home of the Growlers very briefly. <laughs>
1: You know, I, uh, a while back, uh, early or before the season, I said that I wouldn't buy a, a Jersey if it had uh, a corporate logo slapped on the front of it, but oh, you yeah. know, the, the Leafs haven't uh, had a Jersey sponsor yet. I, I think if you slap Mary Brown's logo on a Leafs Jersey, I, I might have to reconsider. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that I would prefer it with, with the Mary Brown's logo. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Just quickly back to, to Dion, I mentioned, you know, his time in, in Calgary and this is like a classic case of uh, like a YouTube clip that I assume has way more views on it than it, it does. I don't know if you guys remember this. I just remember watching this <laughs> game specifically, and I've gone hey, back wait, to wait, YouTube can and probably can I- racked up half of the 15,000 views on this YouTube clip. I want I want you to guess. Yes, what, what do you think?
1: Is it the, the one where he tries to get the mitts off and he trips yeah. over the stick? With and Yarko Ruto? So. No, that's got to okay.
0: have more than 15,000 views. This is the okay. one where... Um he and Aginla set up at the top on a 5 on 3 against the Oilers in like that season after the lockout where it was just power play up upon power play upon power play and I don't know if the Oilers were just exhausted or exactly what the situation was I just know it was a 5 on 3 and they were not getting out to the point at that point anymore and those two teed up one timer after one timer I think that there's a little count, like it's just this grainy 06 footage and a little, you know... um windows movie maker graphic and i think that it said there was like nine attempted one-timers on this you know brief five on three and i remember watching it live and thinking someone was going to get killed either in front of the net or seated behind the net or someone was going to pay the price but um that's a memory for sure i also remember the time that um dion was rumored this was this was when I was at a bar at back at home in Cape Breton and a, a rumor went around that Dion Phaneuf beat the shit out of somebody at Cabot Links the the, the <laughs> golf the the golf resort in Cape Breton and it turned out not to be true I think that someone may have chirped at Dion and then gotten the shit beat out of them by someone who was in Dion's uh, group another former <laughs> pro from from the East coast, but, um, Dion did not do the shit beating. Uh, although it was, it was great to, to picture him just wailing on someone in Inverness, uh, (laughs) just randomly out, out one night. But, um, yeah, a great career and, uh, definitely one of my favorite leafs over the last decade or so.
1: Yeah. Oh, I wanted to make a comment about not being a true Cape retina until you get into one down in Inverness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um... So while we're on the East Coast topic as well, wanted to give a shout out to PWHPA. They just had their um, uh, event in Truro uh, earlier this month. Um, Their Dream Gap tour made a stop in Truro. Of course, Truro was supposed to be uh, sharing the hosting duties with Halifax for the World Women's Hockey Championship that got uh, postponed and then postponed and then moved and uh, never ended up happening in Nova Scotia. But um, cool to see them come back for that. And uh, there's a couple of women's hockey moments. I don't know if you guys saw, uh, there was a few of the women's um, national team were in attendance at the Leafs versus Rangers game. Yeah, saw that uh, picture. Yeah, they were up in the, one of the luxury boxes. It looks like they got hooked up by Jim Midgley, who's a Halifax guy and a former um, national team coach who's now with the Rangers. So um, pretty cool to see them there. They were mostly wearing Leafs, Leafs gear. I noticed that Jill Sonier was not the uh, no, one of the Nova Scotians on the team. I know she's uh, a Habs that's disappointing. Fan, so, yeah, yeah, it's tough, tough bounce for sure.
1: Although re- respect for not just you know going with the crowd and and wearing the uh, enemy's colors, respect for that. <laughs>
0: um, okay, we're going to end it. Uh, one more East Coast tie-in before we go, gentlemen. Uh, As we mentioned, the Leafs are in California for three. We will uh, likely come to you with another episode after that Ducks game and before the Leafs host the Colorado Avalanche three weeks from the day that Nathan McKinnon uh, went out for three weeks with an injury. So possibly
1: the return of Nate uh, against the Leafs in Toronto. That sucks. And it will be the the return of Naz again, and he
2: is absolutely on fire to start this season. Like And and every everybody on Leafs Twitter is handling it very well. I'd love to see it.